This is the At 530 on Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as an expert in designing online experiences and VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences, you will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 530 on Main podcast episode. Welcome to the At 530 on Main podcast here in the Extension Studio. I have Mike Davis from VPS Architecture, Sean Collins from Extend Group, and our guest today is Nate Hahn. Nate is a proud graduate of Purdue University's top-rated national aviation program and is a native of Indiana. He serves as the executive director of the Evansville Regional Airport. During Nate's tenure as the Evansville Regional Airport's Ops Director, he was recognized for his leadership in the airport's runway relocation project. He was a driving force in the terminal modernization project and effective January 1, 2019, Nate assumed his current role as the Evansville Regional Airport's Executive Director. He currently serves on the Growth Alliance of Greater Evansville Board of Directors and is an active board member of the Southwest Indiana Chamber of Commerce, where he serves on various committees and was named the Young Professional of the Year, not a Young Professional of the Year. He is the Young Professional of the Year in 2018. He has further served the region through his executive board leadership at TEDx Evansville, worked with him on that project for a while. Great project there. He is also on the Purdue Alumni Club of Evansville Board of Directors. He was also involved in Leadership Everyone's Voice Project, and he was the Young Professionals National Conference Chairperson. Nate is also a uh, member of Aviation Evansville. He also serves as Indiana's state representative for the American Association of Airport Executives, where he holds a certified member accreditation. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll short it down in the future. So I only have two things. I'm executive director and I do other things and that's plenty. All those things are are all things that are moving our community and in the right direction. And we thank you for your commitment to that that's the goal yeah and if you're seinfeld fans you say nate han executive director yada 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 he's on the podcast there that's we right See, you know, i told you you, you can't yada yada the good stuff you should have done it the... yes could kick that one off right there all right so nate you've been at the evansville regional airport for some time now about 10 years 10 years what's it like to be a part of one of Evansville's first experiences, whether you're a visitor or, you know, leadership roles, people coming in to look at the community. What's it like to be a part of that experience? Well, we it's obviously a wonderful experience. I've, I've dedicated my life and my career to this so far and plan the next 20 years to do that, maybe longer. But really, we talk about the airport being two very important things. And one of those is that it's the front door of our community from people traveling to come visit friends and family to the economic engine that it is and the fact that we have businesses that are coming in here trying to decide do they want to relocate to our community do they want to grow in our community do they want to hire our community's employees and how are we a part of that and when you show up to our to this front door we want that experience to be perfect we want it to exemplify the size of our community the atmosphere of our community and the people of our community that's a great analogy, Evansville's front door. So how many individuals walk through our front door on a yearly basis? So the, the way we track is in planes, people getting on planes. We assume the same number gets off planes. Mm-hmm. So at, at that, about half a million last a year. Half a million people. So you get to uh, be that first experience of Evansville. That's a, that's a great honor. And we're proud to be that and hopefully kick things off in the right way. Yeah. So uh, as we get started... You know, you're you're a Purdue fan. What, just the experience of not having basketball in, in the tournament. What's that like? Unfortunately, there's been too many years where Purdue did not have a team in the tournament, so it didn't yeah. feel that much different. Okay. We've been good. We've been good recently, so that makes a, a big difference. Obviously, yeah, we, everybody misses basketball. It's Indiana, so yeah. Uh, there's another school that supposedly also likes basketball in the state. 
I don't know who they are. Yeah, they've it's been like 17, 1,800 days or something like yeah. that. Yep, it's a good feeling to be a Boilermaker right now. Okay. Well, not only the NCAA tournament, but we had a couple. We have a, had a tournament here. Yeah, it's coming up. The, yeah, and how's that impact? You know, people that were going to come through the airport, especially teams, some of the teams and some of the fans. And, and we do our part to try to, to roll out the red carpet for those situations. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the remodel uh, mm-hmm. project, but one of the things we did is create an information booth, the space. As the moment you come in, there's information. There's a backdrop there that allows people to, to welcome our community, uh, people coming into our community. And so we've done that for a lot of special events uh, to create that initial kind of first space when people arrive. So you were looking – when you were as ops director there at the airport – First big task, was was that the runway expansion, as I, I called it out? Yeah, so our, our previous executive director was an accountant by trade, and so financially had a brilliant mind, uh, but needed someone to come in. And so when he hired me during the interview, he said, so we got a couple things coming up. We've got, we want to improve the passenger experience. We're going to add some jet bridges. So we spent about $10 million over a couple of years and put in some new jet bridges. Uh, the other thing is we're going to have to relocate a runway, and that is not a simple thing to do. Um, I don't ever expect to do it in the rest of my career, <laughs> right. but uh, good experience. So we spent uh, $65 million. Most of that stayed local. We were able to – one of the things we we're proud of about our airport is the fact that uh, if we would normally, if you bid a $65 million project out, there's a large companies that will come into a community. We parted that out into 10 or 11 different pieces to make sure that money stayed locally, and that was very important to us. Uh, but, yeah, that was a big deal. He wanted to hire someone that was had the construction mindset. In my previous airport, I did a lot of construction – management and that sort of thing. And so it was just, it was really a perfect fit for me to come in and yeah, start right in four or five years and $65 million later, <laughs> runway relocated uh, 2,000 feet from one end to the other, moved a railroad, state, highway, county, city, ditch, I'm sure a few other things. I'm sure everyone smiled along the way in that process. Every, every, every single person just absolutely loved it. Obviously, that's not always the case. But the upside of our community is the fact that uh, while there are some people who obviously always have issues or there are serious concerns in some situations and some less serious concerns in others, Mm -hmm. in all reality, the community was incredibly supportive. They understood what it means that we we did it for safety reasons, so to meet some FAA standards. And they understand that that's what we were doing it for. This was a way to create a safer airport but also create space so that we can future expand. And I think one of the neatest things, you know, we always talk about, we did this thing, we finished a year early and about a million dollars under what the original budget was supposed to be, which if you work for the government, anything comes out under budget, you should be pretty proud of that. Yeah. Uh, let alone finishing early. I don't, you don't get to say that very often either. But after that, we've seen incredible growth. So when I got here, I said we mentioned, or I mentioned earlier, we measure unemployments. When I got here, so I got here in 2011, 2014, we hit our lowest number at about 168,000 employments. So we hit 248 and change last year. So we have seen significant growth. We're beating the national average. And that comes from we did some of those things. We've improved the passenger experience, obviously the runway. We've seen larger aircraft from our airlines and uh, the community choosing the airport over some of our competitors. So I'm not sure about this. Was this part of the ability to have Air Force One land here not too long ago? And I mean, does that help? Let's be honest. It's Air Force One. It can land wherever it wants. It's got. It's. Yeah, got little, I don't know. I'm a little not, higher performance. Yeah, than I'm not, things. yeah. Uh, but no, our airport's not necessarily designed for uh, that size of aircraft. We're obviously, it's, it's mm-hmm. still one of the largest aircraft in the world, and especially the weight that goes along with it because. It's got extra pieces of equipment that your normal 747 probably does not. Right. But no, it was it was. We always joke with that that we finished the runway project. Air Force One came in shortly there after that. It was a good and test for the runway. Yeah. Good test for the pavement. Held up great. Looks great. And was a great experience with. Yeah, my. I've dealt, been able to deal with the last three presidents now. Wow. I was going to say. I think the biggest compliment I always hear is, EVV is like a real airport now. Right. You can you can go through security whenever. It's not closed down for certain periods. You don't. You can get some food and take it on the plane now because everything's post security as it used to be pre security and just little things like that that make this experience better. Yeah, the the original building was built in eighty eight, opened in nineteen eighty nine. 
And you'll find that buildings built in that time period did not necessarily have some of the future thought that we have in, in building design now as an yeah. architect. I'm sure yeah. you, you realize that when you're trying to retrofit older buildings. But the second part of that is the, the world of aviation has changed. Uh, I was talking to someone just recently. When we talk about aviation, I'm a believer that we talk about things pre-deregulation, which is in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to talk about things from that period until September 11th. And I think we're going to talk about that is deregulation is one thing. After deregulation, a bunch of just shift between the airlines and how all of that worked out. Mm-hmm. And they kind of came to a kind of a normalization in the 90s. And that was the world they, we thought we were going to live in for the foreseeable future. September 11th happened. Oil prices, all these other things kind of sent a shockwave. And some of that is the security side of things, but most of it is not. It's all the other repercussions that happened. The security side obviously affects us in the terminal building, but we're going to talk now. When I compare everything, I don't look before September 11th mm-hmm. because of that. But yeah, so to your point, the, the design changed. The need has changed. Uh, the way we interact with passengers has changed. The way that passengers interact with the aircraft, the airfield, all of those things has changed since then. And so when, yeah, when we started the remodel process, the question was, how do we, how do we keep what is great about our airport? deal with whatever security concerns and improve the security experience, but then both improve the experience pre-security for those that are going to be in that standpoint. But how do we take care of our passengers once they get through security and that post-security life is very different than it used to be 20 years ago when you could just walk right up and, yeah, I'm through and, yeah. Well, yeah, my dad, earliest memories of the airport, as most people probably know, the big glass wall where he watched and... Yeah, everybody would walk out on the tarmac, and you could wave and watch them walk and to get on their plane until the jet bridges, really, until that was how you got on planes. Yes. I mean, yeah, if you look, yeah, 70s, 80s, 90s, yeah, you were still loading, being, you know, walking up a ramp and walking yep. upstairs. And, uh, yeah, the jet bridges were a great benefit, to obviously, which just makes it easier for the passengers. It's obviously significantly, significantly better if you're a wheelchair-bound passenger. But also just creates you're out of the weather, you just all those things yeah. that we now expect, right? Our expectations right. of air travel has changed uh, over 20, 30 years, and that's stuff we expect now. As you look at your history in aviation, like what was your your first experience around it? How did it start? So the, the story. So I've got a couple cousins that are pilots. So I've got family members that are pilots, and and always remember kind of that is the is kind of the initial ideas. I think as I've gotten older, especially further in my career, I now look back and one of the things, I grew up in a small town, northern Indiana, country, dad grew up on a farm, we lived directly, like a mile directly north of the family farm and all of those kind of things. And I still remember my mom and us in the backyard and a plane flies over at, you know, 30,000 feet. And she would always make the same comment of, just think, that's full of people and they all have a different story. Yeah. I just think that is... Wow. I don't. I didn't think I realized how much that impacted yeah. me then. But I'll talk about now. I mean, as executive director, I admittedly don't spend as much time in the terminal building sure. um, as I would like. Uh, there's other duties and such. But if I ever need that pick me up, it's really easy to go out into the terminal. Right, we're going to see what you expect to see. You're going to see the business travelers, but I'm also going to see the family of four that are heading to Disney. Or, or, you know, going vacation and the kids are going for their first time and they're excited and all of that. You're going to see the people who haven't been home in two years. They're coming mm-hmm. home for the first time and there's the hugs and or military coming home after a tour. Uh, and you see, you see anything like that and you immediately like, oh, this is why I do what I do. Well, that was uh, you bring that up, the military and uh, saw the honor flight. The next one's postponed, right? It is. If I saw that correctly. And that's a, yep. always a big event. Leaving and, and coming back at, at EVB. Yes, it's, it's a great event. If, uh, if you're not familiar, it's an event that takes uh, original World War II vets. Now they've, they've moved further to more recent wars, so Korea and, and Vietnam. But it's a day, that, and they start early. I mean, the flight takes off at 6 a.m. They're there at 4 a.m. to get everybody ready. Goes to D.C. They tour the memorials, mm-hmm. and then when they come back, it's a great experience. They've got um, a full like parade forum and yeah, we'll have hundreds, hundreds upon people uh, at the airport kind of greeting them and welcoming them back. And it's a, a special day. So I'll bring it into my world. So what's, as we think about experience of something you use, what's a product or something you use that you think is well-designed? 
that gives you a good experience when you use it. So you guys gave me that question before. I, I looked at a lot of the questions. <laughs> and admittedly, I hadn't, I've thought about this. And it's always the simple things, right? I yeah. think some one of the easiest things with any design is the thing that you don't realize is designed well, right? If it just integrates into your life and you don't expect it. So it's simple things like phone or uh, I've had this pen for 10 years now. Yeah. At, and if I ever lose it, I'm going to be very sad. <laughs> it's just reliable. It's... Um, I came from the operations and maintenance background, so efficiencies yeah, yes. and how things, right? Every time I click it, new lead comes out. It never have an issue. It's not loose. I've got an eraser. It works fine. So it's simple things like that that I think I find when you can ignore whether it actually works the way it's supposed to. Yeah, that's good design, right? Right. That's what it's supposed to be. Exactly. You exactly. notice bad design. Yes. You don't notice good design. In. That's what. That's kind of the intent of the question. Is like how how do you notice everyday pieces that are that are around you, and how does that shape you? As now you think about you're in the airport and you think about how your airport has to function for all these passengers and all these different types of personalities and all these different plans, events, right? Very much so. So one of again operations maintenance background. Yeah. I went to an engineering school, so there's something to be said there. Not an engineer, but went to an engineering school. Uh, one of my favorite lines is in Futurama cartoon. There, Bender, the robot character, is talking to Fry, the the main character, and they're talking about like Fry's new apartment. And it's it's like a four foot by four yeah. foot by like <laughs> six foot area where you can pretty much just stand, and that's about it. Yeah. And uh, the robot looks at Fry and is like, "Well, you can fit like two point three more humans in here." <laughs> Like, he's just thinking of the efficiency of, like, how many can we actually squeeze in this space? Um, so anytime I talk to anyone about design, I've got to remember, don't be better. Don't be the robot. Don't think about yeah. that. What can you do? But what is the actual experience? And obviously, again, efficiency, I think, is a, a key part of that, especially with air travel. People want to be able to get in. They want to get out. Um, so we're constantly looking at ways of improving that experience. Uh, we're actually in beta test phase right now of our new uh, Frequent Parker program that allows people to swipe in, swipe out. They don't talk to anybody. Mm. They don't have to pick a ticket or anything. They're in and out, automatically charges their credit card, emails on the receipt. They don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to do anything. It's already ready wow. there for them. And so, so far, we're up to 30 beta testers. It's going well. Uh, I think hopefully by Monday we'll go live, which will be post uh, by the time you guys actually should, yeah. uh, do this. It'll be after that. But Things like that. What can we do to constantly make the passenger experience just a little bit better? I heard someone at the um, the zoo speak once, and they said, you know, we, we know who we are as a zoo. We know we can't be everything that a Cincinnati zoo is mm-hmm. or some of the larger zoos. Right. But how do we take a piece of that and make that ours? Uh, and I think that's the way we look at this, right? We're never going to be an O'Hare. They have more employments in a day than I do in a year, right? <laughs> that is not the same. Um, however... What is the piece of things that you look at O'Hare and say, that's great? Is it the food? Is it the seating? And, and those are the kind of things we looked at is how do we take these pieces and make them our own? And I feel like that's a cultural change too, right? Because everybody used to be, oh, we got to be – Nashville has this. We got to have that. St. Louis has this. We got to have that. And we always tried to be what we're not. Now Evansville, mm-hmm. I think in little small chunks and little small ways, is finally going, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa let's be Evansville, right? Let's – we don't need, like, right now, if you're thinking about the airport and you have the Iron Compass, mm-hmm. do we need a McDonald's, Burger King? Like, we don't need 18 options, right? And in that right. biggest space, it doesn't make any sense. So stop trying to worry about that and focus on what you got and make it the best it can be. Yes. Well, I love quotes and that sort of stuff. So uh, know yourself. Yes. Right? Know thyself is, I think, just a great example. And I think it works personally and I think it works professionally too. We know who we are as an airport. We know what we can do. We know what we can't do. You know, you want your flight to to LAX. I'm sorry. We're Evansville Regional Airport. (laughs) You're not going to get a direct flight to LAX, but let's talk about what we can do. Let's talk realistically. Uh, Let's talk how we can work together to get there. And I think that's part of it too, is working together with the right stakeholders, the right idea makers and come up with the solution. When you talk about the Bringing all those stakeholders together as as you evolve in in the airport for what the future holds, 
How are you bringing all those different voices together? I mean, are, are you using digital to, you know, surveys? I mean, how are you gauging? I mean, it's about, I mean, you have a passion for aviation and, and you have, you were, you're founding it, your degree is in it, all those things. So you're, you're passionate about it. How do you also, how do you go around and, and ask the consumer that just, how are you following so, up with them? So there, there's, I mean, there's two, there's two ways, obviously. The, the simplest way is the opposite direction that you'd expect. So we talked about what we do when you look at other communities and what do they do? How do I take that mm-hmm. into our own? And so I think we did. there's some of that of um, I spend a significant amount of time talking to other executive directors, talk to other airports. What, what are they having success with? Mm-hmm. Because I don't need to research if someone else is already having success. Why don't we just do the thing that's already been successful? I think that's more efficient. It's a lot easier, a lot more cost effective. And the second part is, yeah, we talk to passengers. So uh, we have, like I said, we have a frequent Parker program. We've had that for years. The new update's going to be great. But we talk to them. I mean, they, they're people who don't just travel our airport frequently, mm-hmm. but they travel a lot of airports frequently. You know, we have travelers that do 30, 40 trips a year. So they see a lot of airports. They see our airport a lot. And when they voice an opinion, well, we hear it. There's a reason why we put... 200 charging stations in the terminal building during the remodel. Yeah. Because what's the thing that everyone looks at? Like you go to a, oh, O'Hare yeah. now and they're sitting by a wall. No, we're yeah. going to put them in the seats. And that's something simple. It's something easy, but it makes that passenger experience better. And we hear that from the passengers. Well, yeah, it's also, but it's also the people coming. I, I happen to be related to someone that used to pull up in front of the terminal park and go inside and wait for people to that they were picking up or or whatever, and I think the last time we went to pick someone up, they walk, come walking in. They were so excited. First hour's free. Do you see that? You can park out there now instead of parking at the front door. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> that, yep. That's well, one of the it's, things. It's now four hours free, actually, made, in the parking Well, yeah, line. but it made the experience of picking someone up better. But I also know from a facility standpoint, it's better for you guys, too, if everybody's not lined up. Right in front of the it, terminal. Exactly. Obviously, there's there's some minor cost ramifications there, but we looked at that and said, what? How do we improve again the passenger experience? So one, we don't want to clog up our our front part of our building mm-hmm. uh, as passengers or people are coming and going. We were able to find a, a new place for taxis, rental cars, that group, to be able to get them a little bit off, have their own dedicated area. Uh, but yeah, then how do we increase? get people into the parking lot so they can come in and actually greet their family, friends, you know, actually have that moment. And it's not just, oh, load the bags, get in the car, mm-hmm. I'll give you a quick hug. And then we got to go. No, we can actually park, come in, take the time to have that experience. So what's a what's another space outside of the airport that you you go to or you've been to that makes you emotional or gives you an experience that you remember? So I, I love to travel. And so anything with history, right, is always something I'm going to enjoy because of what it means kind of behind that. But as I, as I kind of read through some of this stuff and as I try to think, so one of my favorite experiences in all of my life, I actually got to go uh, did a trip by myself through Italy and went to Milan and got the, the best tour I've ever had that ended at the Last Supper painting. And so oh, wow. it was the tour guide was was the perfect tour guide. She was amazing spoke fluent English, French, and Italian, so had a great accent. And, uh, I mean, I'll never, I'll never forget it. <laughs> like, it's a, if you've ever been there, it's a, it's a closed-off space. So mm-hmm. it's an old room, but you have to go through multiple airlocks to even get in the building. And then because of our tour was small enough, you know, it's a rather large room, and there's only 30 of us in there. So there's a lot of, a lot of space. And we walk in, and, and the first thing she says uh, we all have little earpieces in, and then again, her again, amazing voice, and what she says is, one of you is going to betray me. This is the moment that the painter has chosen to share with you, with him, and the people in the painting. It brought that painting to life because I think that the true magic of any experience is when you share that. Mm-hmm. And the ability, and she was completely right, to share with a painting— like, I shared a moment with that painting, and wow, I shared man. a moment with that painter from hundreds of years ago because they captured the emotion perfectly in that moment. And if, if you can accomplish that, I mean, obviously, that's a, 
<laughs> that's that that's right. Everyone should try to reach to that. But if you can create just kind of that emotional experience in any little piece that brings people together, I think I think it goes a long ways. So what does the word experience mean to you? I mean that's been on that's one of the questions we ask first. We just got right into the discussion with you here, Nate, but what is that? What is the word experience? So I, I think it's it's all the tactile things. And then I think it's something else as well. So it is how we touch something, interact with it, feel it, how we view it. But I think we also realize that it's more than that. It is more than the sum of those parts. Yeah. So when we talk about something, especially when we talk about building design and, and construction and architecture, I think we think about those hard and fast things. What does it look like? What material am I using to touch it? What am I going to be walking on? But there is a something, and I, I couldn't tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. I, you two are both in design. I am not. <laughs> but that, I think that's probably what you were both trying to find. Yeah. And I think when, when you have it, you know you've got it. How has the digital experience impacted the product that you deliver today? So the product that, that, that we as an airport deliver is a fascinating one in the first place. So make me come back to your question in a second after I, yeah. uh, after I hop off of topic. So it's fascinating because I'm selling a product that I have very little control over, right? You talk about, I'm traveling someplace, I'm going to fly. You're not buying my product. You're buying American's product. You're buying Delta's product, United Allegiant. You're buying one of their products. Yeah. My goal is how do I facilitate their product, their experience? And by the way, you're also going to go through security. Well, that's TSA's product, if you will. Uh, You're going to buy something from the restaurant. That's a, again contractor, different product, not something yeah. I can control. And so I, it's one of those fascinating things of what I'm trying to sell you to to fly Evansville Regional Airport because it's a great decision. We are quick. We're efficient. We can talk to you about those things. But the actual experience outside of maybe our parking attendant, maybe a custodian, you're generally not going to have much interaction with with airport staff to improve that experience. So yeah. we look for ways of how to, how to create those experiences, how we can augment those other services. So we have customer service valets that are there to try to help people get into the building, deal with wheelchairs, actually help that customer experience. But it's, we're in an interesting situation just because of that. To kind of answer, then try yeah, to actually answer your question. But then yeah. it's a sarcasm. I'll add a little bit of sarcasm to it. It's like, <laughs> what, Nate? I, when I call you, you can't help me get a ticket to Texas or somewhere? Uh, like... We right? had that phone not, call earlier today. Yeah. So um, anybody that listens or sees the emails, there's no point yelling at, you know, EVV because it's really the airlines that it it is. And 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 I will say, well, that is 100 percent true. We still have people call us, and we have an amazing staff that hit, will take their time to help get you that answer. Admittedly, sometimes we're going to send you to one eight hundred number. Uh, we're going to send you to websites, but. I've been in enough times where myself or other parts of our staff were looking stuff up for people because, you know, they maybe they're not familiar with what the process is or trying to explain mm-hmm. this is what you can do or looking on TSA's website and, and doing all those things. So that's kind of that customer service experience. You don't get that at O'Hare. There, there's no way those people are going right. to do that. Uh, but you get that from, from a, a regional airport that we can provide that experience. So what was your question, Sean? Sorry. <laughs> <I> was <laughs> Digital media. Yeah. Digital media. So how has the digital world transformed? I mean, even you you talked about you had to have for the consumers that are coming through the airport, you had to have – you upgraded the chairs to have the chargers in them. Yeah. Check-in fly. How's mobile, you know, technology? Yeah. Well, right. So the the larger industry obviously is is drastically different, right? Uh, The last couple – I've flown recently and – I don't, I don't talk to an airline employee. I have my app. I've already purchased my ticket, which I did online. My app, one, it will it's my ticket too. Yeah. It's yeah. going to get me through TSA's line. It's going to do all of those things, but it's also going to send me updates. So when my gate got switched in Charlotte from one building to another, uh, it sent me a message saying, hey, you're in the wrong building. Oh, okay. I'll, I need to go to the other terminal then. Yeah. Yeah. As a passenger, you used to run in, where's the board? Where's the closest board? And start checking. Now it's right on your phone. You don't even worry about it. 
Because you check it before you leave to go. Yes, and the integration. So even our flight information displays, they're so integrated, no one has to go in and update that anymore, right? Mm -hmm. They're integrated because they're pulling information from a large data store that the main airline is doing from, uh, you know, corporate offices. So it used to be, you know, local people had to make local changes and, and all that's gone away. So the, the passenger may not see much of a difference, mm -hmm. but they're getting real-time data. As things change, they know, and sometimes, quite honestly, they know because of their app on their phone much quicker than what some of the airline staff knows because they're busy dealing with whatever the situation is. Makes a lot smoother experience and a lot less waiting. You know, you're no longer waiting like, where, where's that flight? You well, kind of know right away. It, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's five it's minutes late or five minutes early, whatever. You're finding out a lot quicker. It's not have yeah. It's not having that question. Yeah, and uncertainty uh, I think is something that bothers everyone, whether you're a planner or not a planner. Yeah. If you don't know, I think that I think that bothers everyone. I know it bothers me. <laughs> so we've talked about a lot. You talked about being the region Evansville being the front door to that. What other ways does the airport experience impact the community? Well, I think one of the key things that we do. So we talk about the front door, but it is everything that goes along with that. We are the both the first impression and that last impression. So we try to do projects that make sense but fit our community. So recently we started putting a solar canopy over our, our now our covered parking lot. Yeah. Uh, and trying to do things like that, that as people are coming into our community and they see that, they think, oh, this is not small town, Midwest, this is more progressive than that. This is not what I expected. Um, and anything we can do to broaden that experience, to uh, broaden the people's minds as they're coming in to have a new idea, I think that's what we're looking at. And that's what we're going to continue to push for as an, as an airport is how do we do those things that make people think, oh, this is not what I expected. Now, and I think if we I was... can totally change that expectation, that's the real goal, right? That's the dream. Well, and it puts – the Evansville experience out there on a on a regional and national platform because I th think last time we talked we were at a a board meeting and there was a uh, discussion about how that solar co covered area was the region's largest solar covered parking area for until somebody else calls you like two days later. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but yeah, we were one of the five covered parking lots and one of the largest solar arrays. They're doing. Again, it's joint use space, so I can use it. Yeah, uh, and that, maybe that's something to, to also say is that is a great thing because it's great in so many different ways. One, we're obviously it's solar, so we're reducing our carbon footprint. We're able to lower some of our expenses from a financial side. That's great, but also it creates a new experience for the passenger. Right you, now, you have covered parking; you can park and come in. Your vehicle is going to be covered from rain and, and snow, things like that. Like we're not just fixing one thing; we're killing multiple birds with with one stone in a situation like that. So what is one person, one brand, one thing that's doing that, that whole thing right? The whole experience. It can be Star Wars. You can say <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, you can say Star Wars. <laughs> I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I will not say Star Wars right now. Well, The Mandalorian's great, though. If you haven't watched Mandalorian's great. So I'll, I'll do my world first. It's just because mm -hmm. I'm an aviation person. I'm an aviation uh, nerd. Uh, there, there are some great airports. Indianapolis Airport is an incredible airport. Minneapolis has some really neat things they're doing. And both, I think, are doing those things for the right reason. They are looking at, again, we keep talking about experience. They're looking at the passenger experience and what can we do. Mm -hmm. So Indianapolis right now is going through a complete refresh of all of their restaurants. And they're really trying to focus on keeping it Indianapolis-focused restaurants. The airport's fairly yeah. new, right? I mean, yes, they're remodeled. And, yeah. So, remodeled. well, yeah, and there's this is... So there is a 10-year refresh. Their plan is every 10 years, you're getting all new restaurants. It's amazing. But, and now, some of them may stay, mm -hmm. but they're, they're redoing those agreements. So I look at things like that. Uh, some of the things, again, like I said, Minneapolis does some really fascinating things. And, and some of the stuff that the passenger may not see, but improves how an airport is run that's so far behind the scenes that you may not realize it, but it really does impact your experience. Yeah. Yeah, good thing you didn't say one. One of the airports. I would have disagreed because I actually pay more to avoid that airport. But yeah, there's we'll some talk of that about too. that. Yeah, there's some of that as well. <laughs> and I think from a brand standpoint, 
Uh, you mentioned Star Wars. I won't go that direction. But I will say if you look at the Disney property in general, I yeah. think that is just – and I'm, I'm a comic book guy, so I love what Marvel has done. But again, they've done something that is kind of unseen in – in that industry, but it's what Apple has done, right? You trust Apple products. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether it's the iPhone or your Mac or whatever it is. You're, you bought yeah. into Apple, therefore you bought into yeah, whatever it is they provide. It's for me not to be bought into Apple now, though. That's, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> that's a whole but, other thing. But, but, but I think that's true of, like, if Disney's making something, right? Yeah. A Marvel, Marvel movie comes out, even if I don't know who the people are, if I don't know who the actors are, I don't know anything... You know, I, they've got a go. yeah. They've got something else coming out new. I have no idea about anything that's going on. I'm still going to go watch it because they have had a track record of success. So how do I provide a track record of success for our community? Yeah. What's one of the community pieces that you're working on today outside of the airport that that you think is making a big difference? Oh, there's always something, I suppose. Outside of the airport, so one of the things I'm really passionate about is growing our young professional population, yeah. but specifically growing our involvement of our young professional population. So recently had an opportunity to go to Omaha and meet with some of their young professional young professional team there. And one of the conversations was very simple, that their community listens to their young professionals and that where the community at, is at now and where the young professionals are at now are not the same place. But what they've found over the last decade or so is that where the young professionals are now is where the rest of the community will be in three to five years. Yes. They are there. And whether that's by design that they're looking to young professionals and then moving in that direction, or that the young professionals are the barometer of what the future holds. We can get into those details, yeah. but either one of those is a great value. And, and that's one of my passion projects here in Evansville is how do we grow that? How do we listen to our young professionals? So that we can solely move that needle and create a, a community that is more inclusive of their ideas and concepts, more inclusive of, obviously, uh, just more inclusive, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But if we can listen to the next generation that is going to be leaders, why can't they be leaders today? Yeah. Get to break down a lot of silos. Yeah. That, and that's very true. Got to be team true. and collaborative and forward, long-term thinking. Long-term approach as opposed to me, right? I'm here. I got this. Go away, guy, until I'm ready to leave it and you take over. And I think some of that, I think you're completely right, that that we have had for – and again, I did not grow up in this community. But I think there's a certain amount of establishment, and I think that's true of any community, that wants to hold on to whatever it is they used to have. But we all agree – that the change is happening. Mm-hmm. And so someone told me recently, the only constant in the world is change. Yeah. Right. right? And if that's not true, I don't know what is. But I think that's the, that's the point, right? Is is, And I think we've got right people. And I think there are people in our community that believe that, that, that the le- leadership can come in any shape or form. They're now starting to look for that leadership and are okay with passing that along. But I think you're right. It's the, it's the cooperation because it also can't be a, a, a clean break. It can't be just yeah. giving off, hey, I've been in charge. Now it's your, you know, go do your thing. Right, because I, th- I think yeah. that's it's a mindset thing because I think a lot of times when you look at older generations, they're looking at it as, well, if they're going to be the next generation of leaders, I got to get out of the way. Not I need to I, I need, need to mentor. team with them yeah. and mentor and be part and we are, we're all a team moving forward. And then when I'm done, I'm – I just move off. They see it as I'm here. You want to be next. You either got to move me out of the way or I got to choose to move out of the way and then I'm done. And, well, and I think that mind breaking down that mindset is harder than or the hardest part of it. I, I would agree. And, and it is it is it is the point that I and I think the the next generation feels that they can gain, gain a lot of information from the previous but it takes working together. And the companies, I think, that have bought into that, that we have institutional knowledge, mm-hmm. we have technical knowledge, we have technology knowledge, which I will say is different than te- technical knowledge. And if you have a team, if you're building a true team, you need all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Young people with fresh ideas are great, but they also don't know. 
I'll tell a little tattle tale on my own university. Uh, one of the great examples is they built a parking garage well before I was there. Uh, didn't figure in the way to the cars. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, and that's that generational gap that you talk about is it's a cultural thing, and it, there was so much leading from positional power instead of influence. And when you get into the influence side of things, it's let me show you how this is done. Let me do it with you. Let me evaluate how you've done it on your own, and then you are on your own. Mm-hmm. And then let's come back and evaluate it again. And that's where where a lot of organizations, whether it be a nonprofit organization, you know, recent uh, growing startups or whatever that is, is a lot of the leadership still wanting to be in that role of positional power. Like I've this role of executive vice president was you know, I've worked my way up and this is the next thing and this is the next thing. And just because I say we should should do and the new workforce, uh, the new players, and that is that is not a, a position that, that you want to be in. And I think that that experience for whatever employee that is or whatever leadership position, if you're in that and you're leading from the old guard of I've <laughs> I'm here, this is the way it is, and change is, is only going to come through me. Uh, that's going to be, a, I mean, that tenure is going to be shorter and shorter lived because today's generation, the millennials and, and everything after is looking for how do you empower me to be the best, and, and that's what a true leader, the experience of true leaders are today. Yep. Uh, a mentor of mine once told me, the CEO of a company, one of his goals is to push as much decision-making power down as far as he can. Yeah. Um, right. There's, I understand, there's some decisions that have to be made at the CEO level, but that's not every decision. Yeah. And, and it really, if you can make the decision, then you should make the decision before it moves up that chain. And I think that's it's all about that. You said, it. I mean, it's an empowerment of employees, empowerment of staff. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's saying yes when a lot of times I think, especially large corporations, the first answer is always, no, we can't. And then they'll give you a list of reasons why mm-hmm. you can't. Yeah. Uh, I think just the shift, if you can go from starting with no to starting with yes and then try to figure it out, no may come later. Yeah. But if you can start with yes, one, you are going to empower that employee because now they are, they are bought into that idea. They're bought into your company more. I think that goes a long ways. Yeah, the flattening of the organization. And when you talk about marketing and people come to us and say, hey, let's do this and let's do this and let's do that. And can can I have this app or can I have this website? It, we always go back to like, what's your number one asset? Who are your people? Let me, let me hear their story. Mm-hmm. Let us empower them to tell that story. And and leadership, let's flatten it. Let's like make everybody a part of the storytelling process. And then if we get to use that digital tactic down the road, that's going to be, that's just icing on the cake. But it's really alignment of, of that experience within the organization, which makes the community experience so much better because it's more, it's more, a more innovative community. Because uh, if you're starting that internally and then that feeds the next then we have cross-pollination, and then we're able to be a, a community that I don't have to lead from positional power. We're leading from influence and, and being able to share. And the, breaking down those silos is, is very important for the community experience. I yeah, think. and I, I see it more and more now. It's the true leaders today are the ones celebrating. You're, you're super talented, and you work for me. I'm so excited about that. As opposed to, you're super talented and work for me. I got to somehow keep you contained so you don't outshine me and you don't shine too brightly and all that kind of stuff. And you're just like, you should celebrate it because I think that's going to, in the long run, make empower them more to do better, to do more and build your organization, right? Your community. I mean, yes. That's what we're talking about. So you've, you've been able to deal with uh, three presidents – I think you've been in a Blue Angel lineup, right? Or were you in the? I, I've not been in the aircraft. Okay, but yes, I've had uh, the experience to work with them. Talk about a, a group of very particular but <laughs> finely tuned. I mean, everything is precision. 
Yes. Them. So it's an interesting group to work with. What is the one thing that you're looking for in 2020 of experiencing? I mean, from the airport standpoint, it is huh, – admittedly, we're going through something right now. We'll yeah. see what that, what, that, <laughs> what that means. When this comes out, everyone might be going, oh, Lord, that – Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rolling their eyes. Like. Uh, but I, I think I, right now – I mean, obviously, the, the world is, is shifting right now as we're dealing with coronavirus. And uh, it's, it's what, is, what comes out on the other end of this. Yeah. Is this going to start some other financial impacts or is this just a blip and once we're – kind of through this, is does the aviation world specifically kind of bounce back to? Yeah. Um, well, from a from a business perspective, like we work with aftermarket brands that sell their parts at AutoZone. So this has caused a huge blip on the radar for manufacturing. <laughs> so now everything is, oh my goodness, diversification, diversification, <laughs> like flatten out the supply chain. Like we, we, we have to diversify this whole thing. So, and then we have to do more of of working from regions. Is there any fear that that may impact, you know, th- this whole, everybody just stay at home for five weeks starts to shape a culture? I hope from a larger context uh, that we try to look at everything and see, like, what does that really mean? Yeah. Not just, yeah, obviously supply chains and that sort of stuff. I'll say the, the selfish, the upside for airport and aviation is we already think regionally, right? We're trying to get you to hubs, and those hubs are going to get you to anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And so if you're flying from Evansville to Atlanta, Atlanta to Timbuktu, or instead you're going to go to London, you're, I'm still taking you to Atlanta. Yeah. So it, there, there's going to be some sort of shift, but people are going to keep traveling. Like yeah. it's, it's a world we live in. You know, there's a great documentary that talks about the speed of which humans traveled. So, right, we walked yeah. and then we did horses and, you know, up until planes, like our high speed was like a railroad that was going 25 mile an hour. Mm-hmm. And now we're moving at 300. Yeah. I mean, it just the, the, the ability that airplanes have created in the world is amazing. Now, it also does the same thing that we're talking about is it's also allowed for diseases to travel much quicker. And we've never had to deal with it at this level before. So that, I think, is – you see all the benefits that go with air travel. Uh, you also see all the, the negatives. Yeah, do you have a Prime, Amazon Prime? I do. Aeronauts. Have you watched that yet? I have not. The movie? You, you talk about the speed of travel. Great movie. I watched it. It's on the, weeks ago. on the playlist. Yeah, it's a very good movie. But, it, it, but it's interesting because it was hot air balloon. Yeah. And, and – it was very interesting when you talk about the speed of travel and the knowledge they had back then versus what we have now. And you're just like, this is insane. Like, that's wild that well, they did that back then. So one of my, my favorite mm-hmm. stats, and this is a little skewed, but is uh, when when the uh, United States was first kind of founded to get from the East Coast to the West Coast, the only way to take boat around, mm-hmm. and it took you three months to do that. Uh, then uh, we got kind of the Oregon Trail and that sort of stuff, and it became like a three-week process. And then we created a train, we had the Trans-Pacific, mm-hmm. and it cost, it took three days to come across. Mm-hmm. And now you can fly a plane, and it's like three hours. Three. Well, and I was so, going to say, yeah, the, the plane, when you talk about that, one of the stories, the big concrete arrows mm-hmm. on the ground, and that was how planes, when they were delivering mail— track they were going in the right direction yep and and they would use the the rail system and follow a railroad yeah. to get to where they're trying to go to and yeah the world has changed with gps and the whole other conversation there checking the time there um nearing 45 minutes on the at 5 30 on main podcast any takeaways from the discussion i, I found the the interest uh when you were talking about the generations of of flight and 9 11 happening and that switch after that and going into safety. And from my experience, that's when really the digital training really came in because uh, before that, I worked in large-scale pharmaceutical marketing and sales training where we would go and have the at, at South Beach, the big <laughs> rent out the resort, and everybody's going to be there, and we'd do that three times a year, and then we'd have these regional meetups. And, and then you said that after that, it had changed. Like you, uh, I'm interested to see how this time that we're going through changes what's next when it comes to client experience, online experience, you know, 
but at the end, I still think we're all people talking to people, and we we do want to have those face to face connections. And, and so. I completely agree. I think a lot of people after September 11th, you, you heard a lot of conversation around, well, is is, is this going to destroy the aviation industry? Everyone's going to go right. We've got go to meeting, and we've got Skype, and we have all Webex. these other <laughs> right. We have yeah. all these different methods. Uh, that's it's just going to destroy the aviation world because that's what's going to happen. We're um, up until recently, we were back stronger than ever. Yeah. Uh, still have to meet. We still have, still to, meet. have to meet. And I think we as a civilization travel more, just period. And I think that's even more true as we, we talk millennials and like the generations keep traveling more and more. And the other thing we didn't talk about is the fact that um, as countries become more developed, they are traveling so mm-hmm. much more. So even yeah. if the United States is just traveling the same amount, quote unquote, same amount, other you're bringing on, yeah, we're bringing in so many new people. They're coming to to visit our country and, and visit our businesses as their businesses are growing in foreign countries. Um, so I think that's going to be an interesting thing. But yeah, aviation is is strong, and and I expect to be strong moving forward. Mike, you have any uh, last minute questions you want to? Ask Mr. Nate. No, I don't think. I think we hit on everything. I was disappointed he didn't say the Millennium Falcon was the best. You know, it's not a good design. I mean, <laughs> if you look at any any Star Wars stuff, nothing like it looks old and rusty. And then they did the mm-hmm. new the, the prequels, and then things got oh. sleek. It, it, I love George Lucas. I think he is a brilliant man to create a world that he created. But he is a note. He is a film editor. Uh, he is yeah. not you know, yeah. right. That is what he is by trade, and right. and you can tell some of that in how uh, those films are written, and definitely with some of the dialogue. But <laughs> it will still be a great passion of me for my entire life. How do our listeners connect with Nate? Quite honestly, uh, my my phone is, is always available. Uh, they can call the airport. I'm glad to speak to anybody. 812-421-4401. Gets Bam, direct. There's the phone number. That is the number. Yeah. Uh, but really, I mean, you reach out. Uh, our uh, our airport, does a, I think, does an excellent job with through social media, uh, quick responses. If you have questions, we're good. We've got – you can go to the website and submit your official question and that sort of stuff, and we're good at getting back with you. But, again, it's that – it is the experience. We're a small regional airport, but we are here to do what we can to engage with our customers and I'll tell you, like I said, we're not getting LAX, but we're working on the next thing. What's your favorite platform outside of the phone? Like, is Instagram where you're at? Facebook where you're at? No. None of those? <laughs> no. None of those? No. I, I am uh, 20 years older when it comes to technology. No, really? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm an email person. Okay. Uh, I Yeah. All right. Sorry. Well, that's good to know. I would, some people are say, you know, I, I've moved on to Snapchat or I'm doing, you know, TikTok or some say, no, I'm still on Facebook or Twitter. So we always just like to see if there's a favorite. No, I tried Twitter once and decided I didn't have anything really that anyone else needed to hear. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, once again, everyone, thanks for tuning in to the At 530 on Main podcast here at the Extension Studio. Mike, thanks for coming in and co-hosting again today. Thank you. We uh, look forward to all your interactions on this experience. Please rate the podcast, share it with a friend, one star, five star. It makes it all better, makes the experience better for the hopefully 100th episode that will be out, you know, as we get to 20 here, nearing 20 at, at 530 on Main. We appreciate you. Go to the website. We're on social media. Check us out. Thank you for listening. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of At 530 on Main, hosted by Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels. Message a friend. Rate the podcast. Without you, this experience would not be possible.